0: Well, I got a word for you this morning. You came for a good Sunday. I'm going to do my best to not run around this room because this text desire, I just, I want to run out of the building as I even just preach this today. So I will do my best to stay on stage and let's have some fun together. Can you turn your Bibles to Mark chapter nine? Mark chapter nine, verse two. Mark chapter nine, verse two. And if you did not get a handout, you can lift up your hand and our incredibly handsome and good looking ushers will... Give you a handout so you can have some action steps today. Mark chapter nine, verse two. In this story, Jesus brings his three core guys up to a mountain and blows their mind. and we're going to find out how he did that, why he did that, what does it mean for us today, and how it can impact us right here in Mark chapter nine. one for Moses and one for Elijah, for he did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Uh, there's two other uh, synopsis of this story in the Gospels, and they would also put in parentheses that he just said wrong. He just, it's as simple as it is. He, d- he didn't say what, w- what he should have said in the story. We'll unpack that and see what that was about. Verse 7 says, then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. And suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. I've entitled this message this morning Cookies and Mountains. Cookies. How I many are just a little bit hungrier? As I just said they're Cookies and Mountains. In fact, I got this, these freshly baked. They're not, these are Chips Ahoy. Uh, at some point, hopefully, they were freshly baked, and, and, uh, but still good, right? Come on. Cookies and Mountains. Can we pray? Father, thank you so much. For your word. It really is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. God, I'm asking right now that you would uh, download in our church what you've been really speaking to me personally. And God, I'm just so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for Jesus. I'm so so personally grateful for salvation. I'm grateful for that moment where I received your grace. God, would that happen today? If there be anybody here that uh, maybe they were invited or whatever, God, I'm so thankful that they're here. But if they are out of relationship with you, God, as we speak, God, would you just speak to them let them know that you're with them. Let them know that they're not alone. Let them know that their sin can be covered just as you've covered our sin. We give you glory in Jesus' name. And somebody said? Amen. Amen. I have a confession to make today that I want to, uh-oh. <laughs> I got a confession, yeah. Um, here's, here, here's the truth. I have no problem sharing almost anything with anybody. Uh, if you want to borrow my car, no problem. If, if you need some money, no, no big deal. Uh, if, if you want to live in our house for a while and borrow a room, you could do that. In fact, we actually have a family living in our house right now for the past six weeks. And so, uh, but there is one area that I do not want to share. Does anybody have a clue what that might be? Food. Food. That's right. You know why? Because I realized as I was preparing this message, I know it's very spiritual today. I am a foodie. Do you know what a foodie is? I'm going to tell you. This is my own definition, okay? This is all just my own personal opinion. The next 60 seconds, okay? I am a foodie. A foodie is one that is obsessed with food. Real quick, if you think you're a foodie, go ahead and lift up your hand. If you just go, yeah, that's me. Okay, cool. Megan, you better lift up your hand, girl. You're about to answer yes to every single thing on this handout. I want to give you, just in case you don't get anything else today, you will walk out of here knowing whether you are a foodie according to Glenn Wolf or not, okay? So if you have your hand out, here's six signs that you are a foodie. Here's six things. You know you are a foodie if, okay? And me and our staff came up with these, and that's about as far as uh, it goes with credibility. Number one is this. You're a foodie if you can name any restaurant and everything you've tried on the menu. So if you can check that off, you just might need to go ahead and check it off. Number two, you're a foodie if you feel all the feels when you try new foods. Like, you get really excited if it's good and very upset if it's bad. Like, you're just a roller coaster of expression. Number three, Austin, I should just bring you up here, man. Number three, you can carry on long conversations about food and describe dishes in detail. (laughs) Okay, all right, so you're three for three. Number four, you get excited at the very thought of food. I mean, even, even right now, you're just giddy. You're just like, oh, man, this is just great. I could eat later today. This is awesome. Right? You just get excited. Number five, I think. I don't even know what the numbers are. You force others to try new foods. Paula, I'm sorry. Yep. Your husband is a foodie. Number six, sign that you know you are a foodie If. If you are willing to spend big money on dishes, you think will be really good. In other words, the budget just goes out the window as you sat down there. You had a plan, you had a purpose, it's gone. At this point, you're eating whatever the thing was. How many of y'all would say that you're a foodie? Yes? All right, cool, that's great. Yeah, I have, I have food, I am a foodie, I realize that. I have foodie problems. If you're not a foodie, you won't get this. But for all the foodies in the room, this happens, okay? Let's just say uh, a couple of us, we go out to dinner together to go try something new, right? And all of a sudden, there's four of us at the table and you decide to, to take a piece, you, you carve out a piece of your chicken and proceed to put it on my plate. Now all of a sudden, I'm in a predicament, aren't I? Come on, if you're a foodie, you get this. If not, just, just wait, we'll get to you, right? Because what do I have to do now? Now I'm in a challenge, don't I? Because now I have to share. I didn't order a chicken, right? So you know what? I ain't sharing nothing. Thank you for your piece of chicken. That was your own prerogative. We had no agreement here. There's no verbal, there's no contract here right? I'm a foodie. I got got FS. I got foodie syndrome. And I, I remember I was in fourth grade and my mom baked cookies for our class. Very nice of her. Yes. Just wait. And so I remember I got out of the car of my mom's car and there was this moment where I wasn't in her domain and I wasn't in my school's domain. I was in my own fourth grade domain right there. And I remember having a backpack on and I had these freshly baked cookies wrapped in my hands. And I thought, two thoughts. Number one, I can share these cookies with the class and I can be a hero today. Or number two, I can stick these cookies in my cubby and eat these jokers for the next three days. And so I did what any man of God would do. I stuck those things in the cubby. And I ate them for the next three days. I'm sorry, Mom. You know, I think if if we don't watch it as Christ followers, we can treat the kingdom of God like that fourth grader treats his cookies. If we don't watch it uh, in, in the kingdom of God as Christians, we can treat the experiences that God has graced us with like that fourth grader with those cookies. You know, my mom purposed and planned for those cookies to feed the class, which included me, by the way. But I decided that what was designed for the class ended up being only designed for me. If we don't watch it, we can treat our experiences with God like that fourth grader with some cookies. And this is the predicament that Peter's in here in Mark chapter nine, verse two. Can we look at it again? Let's just, let's unpack it a little bit more than when we read it before. So verse two, Jesus brings them up to a mountain and they have a moment with him. And he was transfigured before them. Literally that word transfigured means from the inside out, not the outside in. Even right now, there are lights that are lighting me up on the stage, but I am lit up because the light is lighting me up. That is not what happened here. There wasn't a bright light that shone down on Jesus. There was a bright light that came out of Jesus. What does that say to us today? Jesus is not just a reflection of the goodness. He's not just a reflection of the light. He is the very essence of light. He is the very essence in the moments of darkness. He is not kind of the answer. He's not a reflection of the answer. He is the answer. He is the alpha and omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the light. And the, the authors here, they don't even know how to even respond. I mean, the best they could say is it's whiter than any white we've ever had. It's, uh, you know, another, another uh, author says, man, it, just, I, I, it was so bright. It was beaming with brightness. I mean, they, they couldn't even explain what was happening here. And, and then we see next that all of a sudden, Elijah and Moses appear before them. Well, Moses represents the law and Elijah represents the prophets and Peter recognizes this, I would think. And he's, you, know, you know what that tells us today? That Jesus is the culmination of all of the law and all of what the prophetic was saying. It all points to Christ. And in your story, the Old Testament, the New Testament, the stories today, it all points to the lordship of Jesus Christ. He is God. He is our savior. He is our redeemer. And then he He's transfigured in front of them, right? I mean, just amazing scene. He blows their mind. He's fully God and he's fully man. In fact, theologians would say that the greatest miracle isn't that he showed them their divinity for a moment. The greatest miracle is that he spent most of his life hiding it. From everybody. The greatest miracle is that he was able to actually keep it within because he is so great. He is so God. He's not this small, puny God that we're kind of worshiping. He is the creator of the earth. He is the Alpha and Omega. There's nothing bigger than him. And he has this moment where where he shows himself on a deeper level with Peter. You know what Peter has? He has a mountaintop experience. Have you ever had a mountaintop experience? I would equate that to simply a mountaintop experience is a Jesus experience. You ever had a moment with Jesus? Maybe it was a camp. Maybe it was an altar moment even today. Maybe it was when you, when you finally realized that this thing wasn't just theory, but Jesus really is God. And that moment in your heart where it seems like the Spirit of God is arresting you to turn your life over to him. Right? Do you remember those moments? I mean, those are those are Jesus moments, right? Or maybe you're just reading your scripture. You're reading the Bible, and it just it yells at you. It leaps off the page and into your heart, and action steps follow. Have you had those moments? If you've never had a moment like that, stick around. Your moment is coming, and I pray it happens today. But right, or maybe you're a dad and. You have this moment with your son, it's happened to me multiple times, where I get another glimpse of God the Father. And right in my room, as I'm putting my little eight-month-old to sleep, she's held in my arms, I'm reminded. There's just this this illumination in my heart about his goodness. It's an experience. It's a a mountaintop moment with, with him. But the text implies that Peter chose wrong in this moment. Because you know what Peter did? He did what all of us might want to do, right? He goes, what does he say in the scriptures? He says, Rabbi, this is awesome. Let's just stay here. In fact, let's pitch some tents today. Let's build some tabernacles, one for you, Jesus, one for you, Moses, and one for you, Elijah. Let's just stay here forever. And the text implies that it's almost like literally another translation would say that God, the Father, interrupted Peter's moment there. And it's almost as if the text is saying Jesus is looking at him going, Peter, come on. We're not staying up here. And maybe, maybe God's saying the same thing to us today. In fact, I want to propose that God is speaking to you today to come down the mountain. You know, I think we can relate with this moment, can't we? Peter's thinking to himself, there's people down there. <laughs> there's problems down there. There's pain down there. I just want to stay up here with you. Let's just have church services. Let's just pray with each other longer. Yet, Jesus was clarifying here Peter, I didn't bring you up to this moment so that you and I can just stay here. I brought you up to this mountaintop because there's something about me that you needed to be revealed. So that you can take that back down the mountain. In other words, Peter, I didn't come up here to keep you at the mountain. I came up here to bring you back down the mountain. And I want to tell you today that God is calling you, God is calling our church in this holiday season to be people that don't stay up on the mountain, but to be people that would walk down into the valleys of people that need him. Can I, can I just propose that I think our culture is where it's at, not because God's people aren't experiencing mountaintop moments. I think our culture is where it's at is because the church thinks it's only for them. In other words, it's not that God's not baking fresh cookies. It's that the church thinks they're only, it's only for them. Could it be that if, our, if the church, the big C, not just our church, but could it be that if the church did not hide their, cubbies, their, their cookies in their cubbies, we might be at a different place? Peter thought wrong. Could we be thinking wrong? So, what does it mean to, to walk down the mountain? What does it mean today? Obviously, we don't have mountains in Florida. The best thing is like a hill that we created, probably, right? So, what does it mean to walk down the mountain? Well, number one is this if you have your hand out, number one is this your altitude will be lowered. Your altitude's gonna be lowered. You can't stay on that high position. And I want to remind you today, what I, I, what I would love to remind Peter and remind myself today is that you never deserve to be on a mountaintop. You don't deserve this today. You don't deserve to be saved. You do not deserve heaven. You do not deserve the grace of God. I just want to remind you today that if you were left to your filth and your sinfulness, you are in trouble. But because of God, because of his grace, you are able to experience mountaintop moments. But he did not save you just to save you. There's a bigger plan and there's a bigger purpose. That's what this story is about. That's, what, that's where Peter went wrong. He thought it was just for him. Your altitude will be lowered. Humility will come. You know, as you walk down the valley, people might be walking up their mountain. You know, people might walk on you. There might be challenges. It might be a financial challenge for you to serve those that are in need, to get down the mountain and serve some cookies. I want to give you a couple action steps here that you can do as you lower your altitude. I want to encourage you today, we uh, got these brand new invite cards, and these are designed for you to leave a big tip when you go out to dinner or lunch. Leave a big tip and invite somebody to church this holiday season, all right? So you can pick those up on the way out. Second thing, I just encourage you to focus your conversations on the other person. This holiday season, be about other people. You know, and it's so hard. We always have our own agenda as we have conversations. It's just so challenging to not get off, get off your agenda and just meet them where they are. Meet them in their pain. Meet them in their struggle. Meet them in their challenge. Meet them in their victories. Meet them, just be about other people. Number three, fill an operation blag- bag. Blag. Don't do that. <laughs> fill an operation bag. You can pick these up on the way out. This is a great way that you can serve somebody in need, don't just fill your own family's stomach, fill somebody else's. This is a a Christian thing to do if there's ever something to do. Come on, take your family to Publix or Walmart or whatever and let your kids experience lowering altitude. Let them experience it. Explain to them what you're doing. Explain to them the reasons why. Second thing, let let me also say, I I just got to say this. This is why our mission statement is to bring God's love to this city one person at a time and lead them to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. Let me clarify, bring. To br- Let me say it again, to bring. To grab the cookies, get off the stage, go out the doors, outside of this room, and bring <laughs> fresh cookies because people need fresh cookies. That's, that, that is the essence of, of, of our core mission here as a church is to understanding that God first did it with us to bring his love to the city 1% of a time. Number two, y'all with me? Yes. Number two, second thing, if you're going to go down the mountain, your perspective will be needed. Not only will your altitude be lowered, but we need your perspective. This culture needs your perspective. If you've ever been in a valley and if you're in a valley today, I'm with you today. I pray that you feel that. If you're ever in a valley, you typically look at a mountain and you can't see anything further than the mountain that's right in front of you. And isn't it encouraging when you have somebody around you that's climbed that mountain that can come give you a picture like this and say, listen, on the other side, I've been there. I've been here and I've been there. And I I want to give you hope today. But what did the psalmist say? Lift your eyes to the hills, to where my help comes from. Let us be a people of God that is constantly sharing perspective. That's what I love about Operation Blessing. Yes, we're going to fill bellies, but we're going to have an opportunity to invite people next week that may need a meal, maybe they just need encouragement, maybe they don't need nothing, but we're going to have an opportunity to share with them a different perspective. We're going to be able to, right, and if you're here today and you're not a Christ follower and you're, ch- you're you, maybe you're battling cancer or you're battling a disease or you're battling a challenge, you probably feel alone. But if you are a Christ follower, we know that God gets the ultimate decision. He is the final, he gets the final verdict and that brings hope and joy to us. People need that perspective. They don't need less of that perspective. They need more of that perspective and you have it. You're doing it. God is doing a work in you, and it's not just for you. People need your perspective. Here's a couple action steps for you. Number one, share what Jesus has done in your life. Don't just share about how you got a promotion and how cool you are. and Don't share about what you've done. Share about what he's done. Secondly is this, make sure that your stories give glory to God and not favoritism towards yourself. There's nothing worse than somebody sharing a God story self-righteously and you, you walk out of there thinking that you really encourage them, they feel less than when they did, because apparently God doesn't like them, they only like you. Now we just got to watch that stuff, right? We just got to make sure that it's humble, that it's, it's, the, right, it's the right thought, right? It's just, right? And, and so, so here's something really practical. When you share your God stories, and they can be simple. It doesn't have to be anything crazy or wild. I encourage you, make it attainable. Say it in a way that just makes sense. It's not complicated. Don't talk about some fifth heaven and... God brought you this dream and all this. If that happened, that's cool. Save that for yourself. That's great. But let let people walk out of a moment with you as as they talk about Jesus, feeling more encouraged to be closer to Jesus. And when you walk and you go, man, I did this, 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 and this, and because I did these five things in this formula, God showed up. What? You did what? Where is that in the Bible? I need to get that formula. Come on. No, no, it's the grace of God. If he did it for you, he can do it again, and he can do it for anybody. He's no respecter of persons. If we simply believe in him, he is a rewarder of our faith, right? Number three, not only is your altitude lowered, not only will your perspective be needed, but number three is this, your heart will be full. That's the kicker. We think our heart might be the most full when we have that moment with the transfiguration with Jesus, when we have that Jesus experience, but you know what? It's actually just the opposite. Not that our heart isn't full in those moments. I'm, there's, no, there's no challenge between mountaintop and valley when it comes to what's more important. They're both absolutely important. And I want to see you have as many mountaintop moments with Jesus as possible. But can I tell you what will make your heart so full is when you, when you let someone else have a mountaintop experience. Have you experienced that in your life? It's one thing when, when God meets you and meets a need, and that is give glory to God. That's awesome. And we should feel great about that. That's awesome. It's a whole other thing when it's somebody that you've been working on, and all of a sudden, no words needed, man. Eyes are, tears are walking down their eyes because they're making their decision for the first time. I don't know about you, but that excites me more than even me having my own decision, right? Let me show it to you in Scripture. Acts twenty thirty five says this: "And everything I did, I showed you by this kind of hard work. We must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus Himself said. Listen to me: It is more blessed to give than to receive. In other words, your heart will be more full when you give." not when you receive. You want to have a great holiday season? Give and serve more than you've ever given or served before. Point more people to Jesus than you ever had before. I promise you, you will have one of the best holiday seasons. Even if the turkey doesn't work out, even if things get crazy, I'm telling you, I have one of the best holiday seasons because your heart will be so full. You know, next week we're going to hand out, I know we've been talking about this a lot, we're gonna hand out bags and, I'm going to, and your pastor is asking you, our pastor's asking us to fill this, this bag. You know who's gonna get more out of this bag? You think it's the person eating it or the person filling it? That's it, right? Your heart will be most full when you walk down the valley. Let me share it. Let me, let me close with a story. Two weeks ago, a member in our church and his brother were murdered in their home. It's national news, we had a funeral this last Friday, and if you are a friends or family that are in this room, my heart goes out to you today, and we are with you. And I want to thank every Dream Team member that, especially the care team that stepped up and helped, and everybody that helped at that funeral. Thank you guys so much. You, you don't know how much it means uh, for this family that's in need, and my heart's with you. This past Sunday, a woman came up to me and said, man, it's horrible what happened. I said, yeah, we, we hugged, and, and, she, and I, I said, we, we need Jesus. And I think she thought I was saying like her and I need Jesus to console us in this moment because one of our own had been murdered. But I responded back to her and I said, no, no, I wasn't saying we, even though that's true, we do need Jesus. No, we like our city needs Jesus. Like that, that's what this story is all about. It's not, it's not that you shouldn't have an altar moment. It's not that you shouldn't turn to God. It's not that He shouldn't meet you in your needs. It's that it's not only for you. And I, I challenge you today to think of your perspective on a bigger level. That God don't only meet my needs, don't only meet my mountaintop moments, don't only meet me in the valley, meet all of us. Because I don't know about you. I don't want to ever do a funeral like that again. Amen. Come on, man. Let's be a church that steps up for the poor. Let's be a church that advocates for those that are in need. Remembering what Christ has done for us. Let's help people that are in need. Let's be there. Let's serve some cookies. And God brought me up here. I did did not run around the room. I did it. God brought me up here to tell you, get off the mountain and serve cookies. Cookies get off the mountain. Leverage your mountaintop moments for those that are in need. Leverage them. Let me ask you a question as we close. What would it look like if we did this? What would it look like? What would Operation Blessing look like next week if every one of us did this? I can see just a full house next week. What would your business look like? What would your family look like? What would these holiday, what would what would Thanksgiving look like? What does it look like for you? How what is God saying to you? What is He challenging you with today? What does it mean for you to serve cookies? Let me ask you this. What do you have to let go of in order to do it? Is it fear? Fear of what people might say? Doubt? Doubt that it's even worth it. I want to encourage you today. I pray that you walk out of here full of faith going, you know what? My job is to serve cookies. God feeds them. God grows the thing. God will save them. That's not my role. My job is to simply just share the good news of Jesus. Come on, let's not be that fourth grader. Be a superhero. Don't don't do what I did. Don't stick your cookies in a cubby. Share it with the class. Share it with the class. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for every person that's here. I thank you, God, that you're with us. God, forgive us if we've ever thought that this holiday season is just about us. Forgive us if we thought, even if maybe when we walked into church today thinking that it was just about us receiving. Lord, I pray by the power of your spirit that you would help us transform our minds to think more about people as you have help us to serve cookies help us to get down the mountain I thank you that you are the, not only the God of the mountaintop you're the God of the valley and we are your people in Jesus name amen hey would you pull out a connection card it's in the seat pocket right in front of you because at City Church we have a value here. Simply, we take next steps. I want you to think about maybe a next step that you could take today. And you have obviously you might be in your handout. There were some action steps there. You could even circle a couple and talk it over with your family maybe later this week. But maybe you're here and you do not have a relationship with Jesus. And throughout this sermon, you just maybe there was something that spoke to you, something that challenged you, and you say, you know what, man, I, I want I, I want Jesus to be my God. I just. You're 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 about to experience a Jesus top moment, a mountaintop experience with Jesus. But if that's you, I want we we'd like to know about it so we can follow up with you. Would you check that off? Maybe you're here and you're renewing your commitment to Christ. That's incredible. Way to go. Awesome. Maybe you're here and you want to get water baptized or maybe attend growth track and get on our dream team and start serving. I don't know what your act, next action step would be, but I encourage you to take next steps today. I want to pray one more time for you that our pastor's going to come. Lord, I declare over this house today, over every every kitchen table, every car conversation, over every business, (laughs) that this would be a season of of people experiencing mountaintop moments with you. God, I pray that every person in this room will experience the joy of leading someone else to a mountaintop moment. I pray today that God, every person in this room would not fear the valley, but would approach it with confidence and boldness as you are leading them